and I remember Chad telling me that there's going to be a point in this conversation that you have, and and it's the window of opportunity. And I'll put window of opportunity kind of in air quotes, right? And he's like, you'll see it. You'll see that window, and you'll feel that window. And you got to jump through that window when the window is there, because once it closes, it's done. And, and you got to take that, kind of take that shot when it's there. And, and I miss that window. Welcome to the Abundant Vision Fundraising Podcast. Whether you're a seasoned professional or a first-time fundraiser, we have the advice you need to take your next step towards major gift mastery. Today, I'm interviewing my first manager in the ultra-competitive world of higher ed fundraising. Some of you have heard me tell the story of when a manager of mine forced me to solicit someone I knew was going to turn me down just so I could have the experience of making a large ask. That was this guy right here. I'm pleased to introduce you all to Jim Mahoney. Now, he was my boss there at the dental school at Ohio State University, where he's the chief development officer. But then he went on to become the VP at Adrian College, a position he still holds today. Well, Jim, it's a pleasure to have you here on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Tom. Great to be here. Excited to talk with you. Right, right. Well, Jim, I know I've given you a little bit of an introduction, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself. When you're not fundraising for Adrian College, how do you keep busy? Yeah, that's. I've got a, a very active family right now. I've got a 18-year-old who's uh, finishing up his first semester at Capital University down there in Columbus, uh, Bexley. I've uh, got a 15-year-old son who is uh, playing his first year of high school hockey after many years of travel hockey, uh, so that keeps us very busy. And a 12-year-old daughter who basically runs our house. Um, she's, uh, yeah, she's, she's involved with dance and, you know, a million other things and just, um, yeah, runs our house. I think that's a, the appropriate way to say it. So they're we're good at that, aren't they? They're very good at that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I, I know I've given an overview there of your career journey, uh, to some degree, but we'd love to hear from you. Where did your journey into fundraising start and and how did you get where you are presently yeah so you know my i won't bore you with my whole long story of why i chose and wasn't going to go to college but you know i ended up uh coming to adrian college uh, from small town in ohio amherst ohio went to a high school learning catholic uh, came to came to Adrian really for the sole reason to play golf. Um, oh wow! If I'm going to go to college, I'm going to just play golf in college. And so I came here to play golf, singular reason. Uh, got here and ended up becoming just very very involved. Um, student life, Greek life, you know, just really really used those four years to kind of burn the candle at both ends. Uh, take a lot of cool courses, but it really was um, our director of multicultural affairs here who, who I'd gotten really close with. And she said, you know, you should look at working in higher ed. And so I did an internship 
here with our advancement office. I actually ran the phone-a-thon um, oh, wow. uh, for a semester when I was uh, a senior. And I had worked phone-a-thon as a student because I wanted to make some money, quite honestly. Didn't know yeah. what a phone-a-thon did. But, you know, I, I really was like, wow, higher education, really cool. Went on the Bowling Green. Uh, go State Falcons. University. Yeah, go Falcons. Was part of their college student personnel program there for a couple years. What years were you there, Jim? I was there uh, 2000, 2002. Okay. And uh, again, it was a, a student life um, degree. And so my my assistantship was based in student life. But again, I, I just had this like kind of interest in learning more about advancement, alumni development, grant writing, all of that. And so uh, my first year, I actually walked over to the Maletti Center, walked into the annual giving office, and I said, hey, look, I'm going to be here for two years. I want to learn more about this, and I'll do whatever you need me to do for the next two years. Oh, wow. And the director of annual giving, a woman named Amy Davis, who became a tremendous mentor of mine, um, said, I can't pay you, um, but I can give you some great experiences. And I said, let's go. And so she was awesome. She really took me under her wing at BG and, and let me do some really cool things with their, what they called their family campaign, which is their faculty staff campaign. Um, got to help with their phone-a-thon, wrote grants. She, she was amazing. And at the same time, I got to meet a woman um, who was a graduate of the, the CSP program at Bowling Green, okay. uh, a woman named Sue Frost. And, and Sue did uh, a mock interview with me to um, help me kind of, you know, just hone my interviewing skills for advancement type positions. And when we got done with it, she said, I want you to call um, my boss, a guy named John Meyer um, at Ohio State and, you know, introduce yourself to him. And so, you know, I know it's super cliche to say, but, you know, the who you know kind of, you know, to get you in certain, um, you know, positions or um, uh, conversations, it truly was me calling John and saying, Sue Frost uh, told me I should give you a call. And he said, yep, uh, Sue told me you would be calling me. I don't have any positions open at Ohio State right now, but if you want to come down and talk with me, you can come down on your own dime. And so drove down to Columbus from Bowling Green. And, you know, I guess the rest is history, unless you want to know what the history is. <laughs> yeah. Know? So so it's funny. And we should, we, we, I want to stop here and just point out a few interesting things because you know some of our our listeners are are new to the fundraising world uh some of them are going to be executive directors some of them are you know entry-level fundraisers those sorts of folks some of them are more experienced but the small world that we live in as as fundraisers especially major gift fundraisers it's it's remarkable i mean one thing our audience wouldn't know is one of the reasons uh, I don't think it was the, the reason you hired me, Jim, but you know, I worked for Michael Ginsburg, who was my hall director. I was an RA at Bowling Green and, and you knew him through your experience in the graduate school. So that certainly didn't hurt. Yeah. Michael and I would go for coffee quite a bit. Um, yeah. I got to know him really well during my two years at BG. Uh, absolutely. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, 
you know, there, this world is especially higher ed. I mean, mm-hmm. and when you dissect it into, you know, alumni or advancement and grief yeah. life and residence life, it, it becomes even smaller, but it is truly amazing. Like how interconnected so many of these institutions are because so many professionals, especially again, in higher ed kind of, when they advance in their careers, they can move from one stop to the next and you kind of have your, your, uh, um, branches of connections and relationships you've made through the year. Yeah, and, that's and right. Those have, um, potentially either you, you look at that person or look for those individuals to work with you again, or you help them try to advance their career. And that's always been a really cool part of higher ed. Yeah, no, that is very cool. And then, and then I should point out that the same Sue Frost that, helped you out. Later, she became my boss right. uh, at Ohio State. So it's it's really a small world, really a small world. And truthfully, I, I you know, I run into Sue um, at conferences uh, through the years or if I'm down in Columbus and, and still, I mean, you know, this is 20, <laughs> 20 plus years later. I still thank her for that opportunity. I mean, she, I'm not sure I would have picked up the phone and called John Meyer on my own, um, but because of her nudging, um, which, by the way, was still kind of a nerve wracking thing to do uh, as a 24 year old calling, you know, an associate or assistant vice president at the time at the Ohio State University. I was like, why would he want to talk to me? Right. Um, right. But, you know, it, it was kind of a nice life lesson. And maybe there was a, even a, a advancement lesson in that of don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call. That's right. You know, what's the worst that someone can tell you? No. OK, mm-hmm. well. We just keep moving forward. Wow. That's great. So we've sort of talked about this, you know, in terms of, you know, knowing that you wanted to raise money. And I know you did some, some, um, phonathon work there. When did it click for you in that process of being a student that, Hey, I could do this the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, I can I can tell you the exact moment. I mean, probably if I looked at a calendar, I could figure out the date. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember sitting in the basement of Davis Hall here at Adrian College. And this is, you know, probably 1997, 1998, somewhere in there. It was either fall phonathon or spring phonathon. Yeah. And again, like I signed up because I wanted to make some money and I saw an advertisement uh, at the time saying, you want to make money, you know, call this number and, you know, work in the advancement office. And I remember sitting in the basement of this, uh, where our phonathon room was, and there was all these wires hanging from the ceiling and you had to dial like 25 numbers even to get out, you know, I mean, it was yeah. old school phones. And, um, this woman who was our gift processor, uh, was sitting at a desk with stacks of paper in front of her, all the phonathon sheets, and we had this flip chart, you know, to to show the progress of phonathon. And I remember making some phone calls and getting hung up on and getting told no. And then I remember, you know, the first gift that I closed was a hundred bucks, mm. and and um and it was for a department that um, this alum had was very associated, you know, associated with. It was actually the teacher education department. And, and I remember having a really good phone call with this person, them asking me about, you know, my time as a student, 
me talking to them about their time when they were here. And I hung up the phone and I hit this bell that was on our desk for that. And I just remember saying, you know, ding, hundred dollars. And, and, you know, everyone was like, yeah, and they, you got to go up there and flip, flip the chart over a hundred dollars and you got to do it yourself. Oh, that's great. And, uh, and I was just like, wow. Like all I did was like talk to this person about their time at the college. And I asked them to be a part of, you know, I was following the script that they gave us, obviously. But I just was like, it was just like a cool conversation to have. And it, and it truthfully made me forget about all the no's and the hangups that I've got, that I got before I got to that gift. Hmm. Yeah. And, and the vice president at, at the time was a guy named Bill Kenyon and he was down there and Bill, I remember saying to Bill, I said, you know, Mr. Kenyon, like, how cool is this? Like, I mean, I just like got a hundred dollars from this person I never even talked to before. I don't even know. And. And he was basically like, yeah, I do that every day. And I was like, really? This is like, that's like a real job. And it really opened my eyes to that advancement, development, fundraising world. And I was like, well, how cool is that? Like, I basically go to work and ask people for money. Okay, let me learn more about this. And that's what opened up, you know, when I was talking to Danielle, who was our director of multicultural affairs, and I thought, you know, maybe I want to learn more about this world in higher ed. And, and I still wasn't sure if that's where I wanted to go, but that was really my, my first taste of, okay, I could see myself doing this. Um, but, you know, I, I knew what I, I knew by going to Bowling Green, I was going to be really kind of my eyes open to other areas of campus too. And I, and I really kind of left it to myself saying, all right, let me, let me see if, I am interested fully in advancement or Greek life, res life, something like that. And I, like I said, I was I was at BG for about a month and I'm like, yeah, I want to go into advancement. <laughs> That's great. Do you ever find yourself getting a phone call from like, like BG, like I do, uh, from the student phonathon, and then then you're having a career conversation with the with the uh, caller? Absolutely. It, it, honestly. It, in some ways, I think it used to drive my wife crazy because I would I would take the phone call every single time because I, I know that world. Right. And, you know, like this is just a student sitting in their call center, presumably, and, you know, saying, you know, you know, reading off a script, making whatever, seven, eight, nine, ten bucks an hour. What I don't even know what they pay now. And and I thought, you know, this was that was me 20 right. years ago. Right. So I take every single call, every single call. I pretty much do as well. And and I'll be, be on the phone with him for 40 minutes. And, and, and it never fails to surprise me how none of them think about it as a potential career path. Exactly. You yeah, know? you're right. You're right. 2024 could be the year you start a major gift program at your nonprofit. This means more money to help your organization serve more people and better fundraising ROI, too. Starting a major gift fundraising program takes some planning and some work to make sure you are ready for that first solicitation. Fortunately for you, I've got a free online class where I walk you through the top 20 questions you need to answer before starting a major gift program, all in under 15 minutes. Knowing these questions and spending the time to get to your answers will go a long way towards helping you close your very first gift. Now, if you want this free resource, 
All you need to do is visit my online school at thomas-dauber-s-school.teachable.com. That's thomas-dauber-s-school.teachable.com. The link is in the podcast description. So moving on, so so you end up at Ohio State ultimately. How did that how did that go? How did you land that first job at OSU? You obviously talked to John Meyer. Yeah, so John John told me, you know, I was getting towards the end of my time at Bowling Green and you know, I'm I I said this already. He he told me there were no job openings at the time and I I said to myself and and to John, "Look, I'm I'm about to graduate. I need to I need a job. I'm about to get married." You know, so I was in like full job pursuit. And so John told me, he said, look, if a job comes open that I think you might be a good candidate for, I'll reach out to you. But in the meantime, if you see a job come open, give me a call and let me know. And I'll tell you if that's a good you know, position for you to at least apply for. Yeah. And I remember calling him and saying, hey, I'm going to apply for uh, the, the um, director of development position in the College of Social Work. And yeah. he said, no, you're not. And I said, no, I am. And he said, no, you're not. Um, that's not a good first position for you. And I said, okay, a reminder, I'm about to graduate. I'm about to get married. I'm, you know, and he's like, Jim, I'm just telling you, that's not the right first position for you. And he said, but there is a position coming open in the College of Dentistry and um, no guarantees, but I can at least get you an interview with their chief development officer. He's a new guy named Chad Goble and, you know, he, he's just starting out, but I can set that up for you. I said, great. And, uh, I met with Chad and, you know, Chad was telling me like, this was a, a college that raised about a million dollars a year. And he had these big visions on growing the, the development uh, efforts there. And kind of on the back of a napkin, probably at Adriatico's Pizza, he showed me uh, what, what he wanted to, to do, and um, which is funny. I'll come back to a, a story about back of a napkin later. Yeah, please. He said, uh, this is what I want to do. And I thought to myself, geez, this guy, like, really, I could learn a lot from him. Um, came from University of Maryland and, and you know, had a background and thought for a first job, maybe I can learn a lot from, from Chad and geez, I really hope I could get, get this position. And I got offered and, um, took it and Chad and I worked together for a couple years and then he got recruited by the, um, Cleveland clinic, um, the cardiovascular center and he left, but it was during those first couple of years. I mean, boy, I, I, probably put 75,000 miles on my car in the first two years, just okay. driving around the state of Ohio, going to dental offices and, yeah. and working with dentists. And it was just such an amazing first opportunity because I got to do so much cold calling. I got oh, to yeah. do, you know, um, proposal generation really, again, like it was a million dollar a year. They were raising about a million dollars before we got there. And I think our first year we raised 4 million and we got up 9 million. I want to even say like right before we left somewhere, maybe somewhere in there, maybe it was six or seven, but 
it was still, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, aggressive from where we first started. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really great first experience. Got to work with some amazing alums, obviously amazing colleagues like yourself. Um, I think we had fun. Yeah, we did. And, but, and, and truthfully, and I, and I actually think back on this quite a bit. I never thought I'd leave Ohio State um, when I first started working there. Uh, I'm from Ohio. My wife's from Ohio. We had family in Columbus. And it was really like one opportunity that made me think about it. And it was coming back to my alma mater. And, and, you know, when I took that phone call in late 2005 um, from their vice president, from the vice president who I interned under, and said, do you want to meet this new president? Because um, we're about to grow our office and, and do some really cool things here at Adrian. I thought, hmm, you know, I've learned a lot in four years at Ohio State. I've, I've closed some pretty significant gifts. Yeah, maybe I can help out my alma mater. And so, yeah, that, that's kind of how I progressed through Ohio state and got into Ohio state and then left Ohio state. And I've been at Adrian ever since. I mean, which is probably a rarity for advancement professionals or development professionals. I mean, I've only really worked at two institutions. Yeah. Well, that's right. It made your introduction like really easy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious. So, so you get to the dental school and at some point, You've got to make your first major gift ask. And you've yeah. really only been doing annual giving up till this point, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. How much was it for the ask? And how did you feel when you did it? And how did it turn out? So, yeah, I probably won't, I won't say the name of the no. dentist um, yeah, because I, I, I still know who it is. Uh, I do think about that time quite a bit. I was in a Mediterranean restaurant in the Columbus area, having lunch with this dentist. Chad, who was my boss, was there too. He had set this up for me. or He didn't set up the appointment. I set up the appointment, but he told me what, you know, kind of other conversations had I had with this alum. And he said, let's ask this, uh, this alum for $25,000, $5,000 a year for the next five years. And I remember Chad telling me that there's going to be a point in this conversation that you have, and and it's the window of opportunity. Hmm. I'll put window of opportunity kind of in air quotes, right? And he's like, you'll see it. You'll see that window, and you'll feel that window. And you got to jump through that window when the window is there, because once it closes, it's done. And, And you got to take that, kind of take that shot when it's there. And, and I missed that window and, and I let that window shut, slam, you know, everything in front of me. And, you know, it, it was awkward. It was, you know, kind of disheartening a little bit. Cause I mean, we ended up having a really nice conversation, but we got back in the car and driving back to the college and, and Chad was like, you missed that opportunity. And it was there and, you know, you got to kind of find the, the courage to come out and say it. And that's yeah. quite a cliffhanger yeah. for us so to nervous, end on, Jim. You know, that's, you know, but we're going to have to take a break right there. 
We will be taking the next week off for the holidays, but be sure to join us again on Tuesday, January 2nd to hear how Jim recovered from missing the window and went on to a great career as a major gift officer. I'm your host, Tom Dauber. Thank you for joining me as we journey together towards major gift mastery on the Abundant Vision Fundraising Podcast.